this? Can you can you please get down from there? Look, I don't I don't know what you're trying to tell me right now. Smash Bros. I run it without go sleep hey. by my side, babe. How long were you out for? An hour at least. When life falls apart, you giving me peace. Do you like me for me or you want me for treats? I cannot tell, but you came from a dream. When you don't get your way, you get moody and mean. Like, boy, don't touch me. The coat expensive. I'll come back when I want attention. Better have that plus dinner ready. Knock your shit over. Yeah, I'm petty. Hey, I'm bored. Can you entertain me? Act all grown, but you still a baby. Destroy my plans. Acting up lately. Got me simping. Do you hate me? I can't tell you. Kiss my cheek. Flash that smile, ain't she sweet? Rest your head on my heartbeat. Fell in love when we first meet. Like, Conchita, que linda, preciosa, mi vida. Te quiero, te llamo, huevona, querida. Conchita, que linda, preciosa, mi vida. Te quiero, te llamo, huevona, querida. Sitting by the window, watching all the birds sing. Having conversations, I don't understand a thing. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Song Mess. My name is Richard Villegas, and uh, oof, uh, happy apocalypse, y'all. Um, so this is our first English uh, language episode in several months. Uh, this is our first new episode in several months. We've been, uh, you know, give, giving us life with uh, El Salvador. Uh, that series is over, and y'all can go back and listen to all 18 episodes. Uh, but today we have a new music episode. We're catching up on everything that's going on in the world, and I have an incredible guest in the studio. So right now we're listening to a song called Conchita's Theme. This is by the rapper Speak, uh, and we will be right back with a very, very special guest. Conchita, que linda, preciosa, mi vida, te quiero, te llamo, huevona, querida. Conchita, que linda, preciosa, mi vida. Watching all the birds sing Having conversations I don't understand a thing Sitting by the window Watching all the birds sing Having conversations I don't understand a thing back and today i'm joined by uh my friend my colleague my quarantine buddy hey uh, hey hey caitlin donahue how What's you doing up? how's it going rixie i'm well i'm very glad to have you in the studio today and to be in your studio really i should say i know look at this we're pros now <laughs> yeah i mean it's been oh, it's been a wild ride the last uh like new music episode that we did was back in i think february that was her. Um, but it was with Beverly Bryan. That was episode 200. Y'all can go back and listen to it. Um, but, you know, we, this is episode 224, which means it's been 12 weeks since we had an update on the world. Wow. And 2020 been acting up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you feel rusty? Um, definitely not rusty. Rusty's not the word. Anxious. Um, um, 2020, I think, is being very poorly written. There's a lot of plot <laughs> holes. I mean, like, why introduce murder hornets if you're not going to follow up with that storyline? Ah. 
Um, <laughs> They'll come back in the season finale, I'm sure. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Joe well, Exotic will show up with a flock of murder hornets. Riding on top of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> They'll attack Donald Trump. Work, uh-huh. And then Angela Davis becomes president. Oh, my God. 2020 but, should hire you. I know. <laughs> well, um, the, <laughs> the last time you were a guest on Song Mess was about a year and a half ago. Um, and we have a very different listenership these days. Um, you know, languages have changed, uh, localities have too. Uh, so uh, allow us to introduce, reintroduce yourself. Your name is Hove. Um, <laughs> Man, a year and a half, that's crazy. So I'm uh, Caitlin Donahue, AKA Cat Donahue. Um, AKA I, Birdwatch. <laughs> I am originally from San Francisco, California, but uh, I've lived in. Mexico City for the past six years, and I'm a culture journalist who writes with Richard at publications like Remezcla and Bandcamp, but also um, writes a lot about marijuana. I feel like I'm really digging in on marijuana these days. Yeah, I mean, and that, I think the last time that we spoke, well, the, the last time that we you were on the show, I didn't know you too well, and so we kind of so focused true. on more of your music writing stuff, which again, you you know are very well known in uh, the areas of like reggaeton and club music. You're kind of building a name in regional, which is uh, in, unusual. Weird. And Weird. I'm, I'm yeah. really excited to talk about it. We're gonna talk, <laughs> there's plenty to, to dissect in this episode. I think our, our listeners will, will agree. Um, but yes, we didn't get to talk as much about your marijuana writing, mm-hmm. uh, about your, you, you know, you write a lot about like sex, sexuality, um, you know, so like, you know, it's it's really cool to have you uh, back in the studio. Uh, but you know, again, we're gonna spread it all out. We have so much to talk about. Let's start with the most obvious thing. Um, you know, we're kind of still in quarantine. It seems things are right. starting to loosen up a little bit in certain places. Things are thawing. It feels like things are thawing. I don't know how sensible that is. I think that we're all Agreed. aware that there's a high probability that um, we're gonna have to go back into our homes and when we're gonna see cases rise in the future. But yeah. For the moment, it seems like people are coming out of their homes, which is super interesting to watch. So uh, we live in Mexico City, um, and it, I think it's a very different reality uh, from, from how the U.S. has experienced uh, oh COVID. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's talk about it. So what, what is, has your experience been um, quarantining slash dealing with work slash dealing with mental health totally. uh, this, these, this year, really? That's a good question. So what I've been telling everybody, and which I'm sure you'll agree with me, is that writers, as a rule, are pretty good at social isolation. <laughs> this was my thought heading into quarantine, because I was like, you know what? I spend most days by myself in the t- this tiny room that we're in right now. Like, I don't think that's that this is going to be too hard for me. Everyone's going to need news. We need words. Like, I don't think that the public... I didn't think that the journalism industry was going to be affected. Yeah. Um. I really didn't. And then and then everything was a lot different than what I expected. Yes. Um, I just I feel like there was a lot of twists in the road. Um, Good writing. (laughs) And and yeah, like in terms of mental health, um, man, it's been tough, like uh, just holding on to reality a little bit Mm -hmm. and holding on to like context in the world. Like you really you start to feel really alone when you're isolating yeah <laughs> um which shouldn't have been a surprise but honestly it really was so um i think it's i think it's because like i'm a pretty solitary person mm. you wouldn't know that because i'm extremely social mm. but like i live alone 
you know, there are days where like I don't speak a word. Right. You know, like I'm just home. Um, and, and, you know, and that's fine. I, I like being alone and being alone is different to being lonely. Right. Um, and that's something that I learned, uh, last year cause I, you know, my mental health was not in the best place. And so it was very like, Oh, <laughs> but like the thing of it is, is it's that, okay. Yes, it is a mental health issue, but also things are so crazy right now that if <laughs> yeah. you weren't feeling bad, yeah. then I would worry about you. For sure. How are you not going to feel bad? Like, you don't know when you're going to, like, see people who are far away. Like, the police are killing people. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, shit is going crazy. Like, the COVID is affecting communities of color more than white people. Like, there's so many things that are disturbing and stressful and able to affect your mental health at the moment. Absolutely. Again, like, I feel like I've been able to, I've been in a very lucky, very privileged position. Like, again, like, I... You know, I can still go to the supermarket and find, you know, everything that I need. You know, I, I live alone so I can self-isolate as much as I uh, need to. I don't have a job that requires me to commute or interact with people. I can you just, have a job? Yeah, I have. Hello? <laughs> hello Ma'am, can we? Yes. And so, and like, yeah, and like media definitely had a, 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 a kind, of, kind of a contraction. Mm. Um, but I haven't been as badly affected as I thought I would. I've been working pretty steadily the only publication that i'm not currently writing for uh is rolling stone they you know they were like ain't no budget and i was like i get it girl you know like that advertising money people got to be able to have money to go shopping or be able to move <laughs> and go somewhere to shop totally. you know so like i get it you know um but again i feel like i i've been very lucky in that regard i know other writers that have not been as as lucky i think yeah um you know so it it has been uh tricky it has been very uh anxiety producing it's been very very lonely um let's get into like some numbers well maybe not numbers but how do you think mexico has handled it differently than the u.s oh gosh <laughs> for better or for worse you know that's not no you know that's not the question totally well i i think the f the first thing i would like to say is that the united states and mexico are obviously two very different places that yes. are coming into the covid crisis with very different concerns um so god how is it different well in mexico like 60 percent of the people work outside of like the they have an informal economy mm -hmm. they'd say like uh, and for people who work in the informal economy, how the, you can't stay home. Right. It's very hard. And like, that's not really, uh, that's not realistic. So I think from the beginning in Mexico, there was this realization that's like, not everyone's going to be sheltering in place in the same way that yeah. they might be in like the United States or, or Europe or, you know what I mean? It's so, very much a stay at home if you can. Exactly. Exactly. And it has, and it has to be like that. Yeah. So um, I think that's one thing. Uh, I think there's weird comparisons to be made between the way Trump and AMLO have been handling the thing. And I like hate making yeah. that comparison because I want to enforce that I think that they are extremely different politicians and it drives me insane when people try to <laughs> make these similarities. Yeah. But just certain ways in which they their language around COVID and like how they themselves were personally handling them yes. their own personal health in front of cameras you know what i mean that there was some similarities there i think that also jair 
Jair Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro is yeah. like definitely falls into that category. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. I mean, well, the the right wing governments have definitely kind of shown their ass, mm. um, you know, U.S., Chile, mm-hmm. Chile. Right? Like my boyfriend lives in Chile at the moment and it's just he's like, oh, my fucking God. Totally. And it's like, you know, like you hear. You know, like I, I again, I, I lived in Chile for two years. So like my, my social circle, you know, includes a lot of Chileans aside from like my work, you know, um, and everybody's like, holy crap. You know, like there's people going hungry as simple as that. Like, you know, the Switzerland of Latin America is like she likes to be branded sometimes. You know, it's just like, how is this fucking wealthy ass, modern ass, like, you know, really, really like top of the line, like, you know, in terms of infrastructure and like presumably politics as well, suddenly like. There are community, um, they call them ollas, ollas comunes, like community pots, like where like the whole neighborhood kind of like pitches in for food and so that everyone can eat. Like that's wild. And that, that's something that you have, we haven't seen since the early 80s when, when uh, Pinochet had just taken over. Uh, well, wow. not just taken over, but like the, the, the economy was really, really in the tank in Chile, you know. So, you know, that and like, again, uh, Brazil and the U.S. have fared, they've all, all three of them, I think, have fared pretty similarly in that, like, sure. again, right-wing people, uh, governments are like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, like, thousands are dying, infection rates are through the sky. And I think Mexico definitely has been different in that, well, first of all, the government isn't really counting. <laughs> mm. And second of all, I where, like, for example, like, Trump has tried to gaslight everyone unsuccessfully. You know, <laughs> like, AMLO, I think, is just flat out, like, he doesn't think it's real. And, you know, I, I, again, like in episode 200, when I recorded with Beverly, like, um, uh, COVID was just kind of starting to take off. And like, I was even like, girl, it's fine. You know? Yeah, you were a big skeptic when I, this all was kicking off. Well, I was I, I was a big skeptic because we've seen this now like eighty fucking thousand true, times. We've seen like true, you know true, true. Uh, swine flu and bird flu and H one N one and then it just kind of like it's like a thing, always so far away, and then it fizzles out like a month later. Right. And it's just like it you know like COVID. At first, I perceived it as just one of the girls with a better PR team. Sure. And then the numbers started showing up, and it was like, holy crap, this is really wild. And mm. then like, of course, you know, it hit us um like i don't i haven't had it but like a lot of my friends for example in new york you know i I used to work in hotels before you know moving out here and like all of my friends and colleagues at the hotel that i used to work at are like oh yeah we all had it because you know management did nothing to protect us and i think that's you know it it has to do with this arrogance that you know oftentimes we in the west and particularly in the u.s feel that we're untouchable all the time and so you know this has been a big uh, a uh, learning experience, it you know. It really has. And you know that cross between pandemic and, and class warfare is Oof. really fucking stomach turning. Yeah. It's hard to deal with having that be so in your face. Yeah. So uh, what we're doing, again, we have so many things because, again, like I, I there, it, the world is in flames. Um, you know, <laughs> on top, at the bottom, in the middle, like from all over. So we're kind of like sec- sectioning it all out, off to sort of mirror uh, the music that we're playing today. So we're starting off that with was like heavy. Yeah, this is, this is a heavy episode. Yeah, girl. But like the world is heavy. We got to talk about it. You so know, true. So, so true. we're starting out with our quarantine music. Um, and so we kicked off with uh, Speak. This is a uh, Chicano rapper. He's from California, uh, uh, Inland Empire, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he lives in Mexico City. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing him for Remezcla last year. 
and I, I'm a fan. Uh, and I've never played him on the show, so I'm excited to, to talk about him. Um, and we listened to Conchita's theme. Uh, he's been releasing a lot of quarantine music. This is off his Homebody 2 EP. Um, and so, yeah, tell us a little bit about, about Speak, Miss Caitlin. Well, I'm also a big Speak fan. Yeah. I have to... I have to um be fair I just think that in terms of lyrics like he just has the smartest on point lyrics like he is a clever man for sure <laughs> for sure and um yeah I feel very blessed that to like live he actually lives kind of close to us yeah. I feel very blessed to like be in Mexico City at the same time and get to watch him like digest what's going on here yes. like for me he's a great like cultural commentator and he just <laughs> he just made a goddamn cat rap so it's like I mean, it's very on brand for you. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm this is dead. the perfect. This is the perfect track to open a show featuring Cat Donahue. I'm dead. Speak has somehow. I think that has come has come into contact with this cat uh, during the quarantine, and um, it's been a joy watching their relationship develop. And just to hear this song now, um, uh, that is very timely because honestly, who isn't talking to their cat right Hello. now? Like, I mean, I spent a fucking lot of time, as you know, speaking with Kiara, um, you know, getting her opinions on yeah. things. So a yeah. very timely song, one that really spoke to my heart. Um, and uh, it is accompanied by a phenomenal video. So I highly recommend y'all uh, run to YouTube and watch it. It's, Absolutely. Uh, it's really the cat content uh, you need today. Um, I, uh, I also brought some quarantine uh, music. Um, I actually wrote a story about quarantine music for Remezcla. Again, run, read all about it. It's really good shit. Has been dropping recently. A lot of very thoughtful uh, music. Um, but I brought some bops because, girl, like, we, can, we, can also, we can also dance like nobody's watching because guess what? Nobody is. Um, and so we're going to start off also with a Mexican icon called Torre Blanca. Um, I love Torre Blanca. Last time I played him, it was when he released his uh, single Maricón, um, which, again, blew me away. I, like, I love, I'm really loving this, um, this chapter in Torre Blanca's career. I've always found him a bit hard to digest. His music is very verbose, like very, he's very, very lyrical. I mean, he's uh, a, a playwright. Like, it's just, he, he, he loves a verse. And so for me, I'm not a very lyrical person, and so sometimes it's hard for me to engage. But I really loved the song called La Vida Online, um, which is very much kind of an encapsulation of the, the life that we're living. It's very online. Everything is so online now, even to a point that it's jarring. And so it's trying to, it's, 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 a, it's a very funny song, but it's trying to find humor in a very uh, dark situation, I would say. Um, so let's go ahead and listen to that. Again, this is Torre Blanca. La canción es La Vida Online. And we'll be right back with more Cat Donahue. Ooh. Pasar el rato, vamos a correr de la cocina. 
al baño y luego hacer 15 sentadillas luego hay que barrer Acomodar los libros otra vez La videollamada, el juego de ajedrez La vida online, me sienta de que es fine Creo que la vecina ya me enloquecer Parece lógico. Ah. 
muchos tienen poco, pocos tienen mucho. El presente es comunitario, en armonía con la naturaleza, equilibrado. Truequealo, truequealo, truequealo. Compartimos casa, somos parte de esta tierra. second song that we just heard is another quarantine bop this is by nakuri and barso from uh, costa rica nakuri a kick-ass rapper who we've actually featured on the show barso a kick-ass producer who i've actually also featured on the show he uh barso was in our uh, costa rican series a few months ago um and the song is desde adentro and again it's very it's very that it's very like you know trying to stay in contact from the world from inside your home you know and uh, yeah like so th they are a kind of a prime example of the ways that the music industry but i mean so many other industries but like we're talking about music uh have been affected by the covid crisis because they were actually in dc uh they were like halfway through a u.s tour when covid really happened and like everything started shutting down everything started getting canceled and they were like balls and so they just had to go back to costa rica oh my god they're getting stuck somewhere during covid stories yeah mm -hmm. well but it's not even so much that it's just like you know like think about you know like obviously like when you come from latin america to like go literally anywhere even within latin america that shit is expensive That's it's expensive. much more expensive than if you're in the u.s trying to like travel to another state or something of course buying power is different and so like you know like so many stories of people who like had all this money invested and then just went down the toilet and you know and like again you know there's been so many great uh initiatives to try and, and help out the music community bandcamp has really been a leader bandcamp um, has regard. emerged as the clear hero Girl. of the covid crisis what was it that spotify was doing spotify uh spotify had oh you could um a feature so that users could tip artists girl if y'all don't go take a nap they made a widget oh and then <laughs> and then uh what was it in um the day that everybody shared the black squares to show solidarity with black lives matter right. they Right. Um, they they had a minute of silence, I think, or or I don't know if it was a minute at, of silence at eight minutes and 46 seconds, which was the length of time that the police officer kneeled on the neck of George Floyd, who right. uh, may he rest in peace. Um, or if it was an eight minute and 46 seconds silence in all podcast episodes. It was one of the two. And it was just like, wow, great. 
thanks what a, what a momentous <laughs> Woo! action yeah um so you know so again like um so anyway this song is is great go give barso nakuri your money um but speaking of uh george floyd um and black lives matter let's talk about some uh police brutalities uh yeah. because here well it's been an it's become an international phenomenon like yes we're american but it really this movement has legs right um, absolutely yeah well we're seeing i mean a lot has happened in mexico over the last week and a half girl absolutely i mean protests in two of the major cities in the yeah. country um policemen getting lit on fire Which, i guess we should explain that sounds too what bad. what caused the protests in mexico though. please do no yeah well um at the beginning of may actually this was a minute ago there was this construction worker, a 30-year-old construction worker named Giovanni Lopez, who um, got picked up by the police in his town in Jalisco, uh, apparently for not wearing a, a face mask, because yeah. it was like serious cur- COVID curfew face mask days. Which, by the way, it's wild considering how many people are just not wearing masks. Now. Casually. Well, we're in a different phase, question mark. Mm. Well, anyways, anyways, the point is, is that these police people, police people, oh God, they're not people. I'm just police kidding. humans, um, <laughs> police beings. Right. <laughs> they took Giovanni and returned his dead body to his family, all beat up and with a bullet in his foot. Gag. After picking him up for not wearing a face mask. So... Um, unfortunately, as we all know, this kind of bullshit happens in Mexico all the time. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, I don't know if you want to say that it was in part due to the energy coming from the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States. But Giovanni's case ended up getting a lot more exposure and attention. Um, a lot of people raising their voice against that kind of police violence. Um and yeah, and it culminated in Guadalajara mm-hmm. um, in a series of protests of people just taking to the streets and just fucking pissed off um, that resulted in, I mean, a lot of peaceful, I mean, obviously a lot of peaceful protests, a lot of amazing people raising their voice against a kind of thing that is so common in Mexico that people have honestly stopped talking about it of sometimes, course. you know what I mean? Um, but also a cop got lit on fire um <laughs> yes we we are very upset about that yeah we're, yes. we're both crying yeah. <laughs> and um and yeah and people and people being and the fucked up thing and people disappearing at the goddamn protest against police brutality yeah you know and um well i was talking about it with a friend of the show manitas nerviosas and she was like you know in the u.s and in most places but in, in the u.s the cops are the cops you know they are pretty much a gang and sure they have political influence and they're really really shady but the cops is generally just the cops you know like sure you know maybe like kkk clan uh, connections sure in the maybe the kkk yeah sure <laughs> but like in mexico the police is also el narco and el narco is the police you know and mm-hmm. it's just like it's much more it's a it's a different kind of insidious here mm-hmm. um and she's like and there's no way that you're winning against el narco like there's just that's not happening and so you know she was expressing that that makes it so much more sinister so much scarier uh because the implications like again like if you know if all of mexico decided to revolt against the police that's also a revolt against el narco and the implications of that can be much more uh dangerous and profound 
Um, so, you know, I don't know, but that's crazy. It's it. That's really wild. And also, I think the other part of how this uprising in the United States is refracting in Mexico is that there have been this huge uptake in conversations about race here. Yes. Um, which is also a super positive thing, although it can be very painful and uncomfortable. And some of them really clueless, as um, we experienced at well, a vigil uh, for Black Lives Matter uh, very recently. Right, right, uh, Where right. there was a, uh, a, I'm pretty sure he was American, I'm going to say African-American man, black man, you know, who took a knee because everybody uh, was taking a knee. During the um, moment of silence. Yes. During the minutes of silence. Well, several. I think it was eight minutes and 46 seconds exactly, of silence. Exactly, that's precisely um, it. And, you know, he had taken a knee and the reaction of, because there was quite a bit of press, and then suddenly he was swarmed by photographers. Right. And it was a very, like, we found a black one. Woo! And it was, like, it was so jarring because it's just, like, you guys are missing the point. I get that you have to get your story, you know, maybe be, like, all right, there's, like, eight people over there. I'm maybe going to, like you know work the room and then get there you know it's just like absolutely there are so many more tactful ways of covering this and again like you know it's conversations that we you know should be having about how media is reacting to this i mean like the fucking new york times gave this platform to a fucking neo-nazi you know (laughs) it was just like yeah unleash your military on the people so you know it's it's conversations that need to continue to happen um again they're not always eloquent uh you know a lot of uh, white sickens are definitely showing their asses on social media. Mm. Uh, privilege, again, like race and class really go hand in hand. Um, and there are conversations that need to be had um, across the board, not just in the U.S., not just in Mexico, but like everywhere. I think that's also why it's it's a big reason that like, you know, Australia, like people have come out and France is currently on fucking fire and like sure. London and wherever, you know, like, yeah, well, like in Brazil. Racism. Racism is a thing. All those places. Yeah. yeah. There was like, there was some, some, I saw something today about like an Australian like senator or something being like, oh, we're so proud that Australia never had uh, slavery. And Yikes. Like, and like everybody was like, so like the sugar cane just picked itself for a hundred years. Oh man. Like, that is a extreme <laughs> invisibilization of the Aborigine. Yeah. It's just people. like, okay sure yeah they were having a great time doing it um, wow, wow, wow. so so yeah so uh, it, again this is a, a a really great um impact i i think it's just like it's it's been a spark for many uh necessary i would say overdue conversations sure and i hope that they keep happening you know because obviously there's always that fear that it's like okay well this is the trending topic right now but i really do hope that people are making a commitment now to keeping this happening yes um and i do want to uh since you know we're talking about like the future and keeping and keeping our motors going i do want to give a shout out to um the organizers that who are focusing on planning a day of action on Juneteenth, on June nineteenth. Oh yes, please. this will be this will be up by then for sure. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Yeah, and and for people who are listening who don't know what Juneteenth is, mm-hmm. um, Juneteenth was actually the day in um, eighteen sixty five um, that the Emancipation Proclamation was read to people who were suffering from who were had been enslaved um in texas and texas and why was that was like important was because texas was first of all that was in 1965 the emancipation proclamation was passed in 1963 and it took two years 1863 18 i'm sorry i'm like ooh. 
Oh, girl. No, no, no. <laughs> and, okay, it took two years to get to Texas. So that day that they read the Emancipation Proclamation in Texas is now celebrated as Juneteenth. It's also Correct. known as Freedom Day or Jubilee Day. Correct. And, by the way, Juneteenth, this Juneteenth, which um, I, this is coming out on a Tuesday, and I think Juneteenth will be on a Thursday. No, on a, it'll is be it on a Friday, Friday actually. Fantastic. Uh-huh. So um, all purchases from Bandcamp on that day uh, all revenue will be donated Bandcamp, to always. to I believe the NAACP. The so it's just like you know, this is a great opportunity to support um, artists of color. Um, obviously, specifically Black artists. Uh, I recently did uh, an extensive thread on Twitter of Afro Latino, Afro Latinx uh, artists that you guys can go support. That they're all over Bandcamp. It was a solid thirty artists that I threw up on there um, that I will reshare. Uh, across our social media uh, on Juneteenth. But again, like there are really great ways of participating. Um, you said that there was going to be a day of action. What what are the details? Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, so there's they're calling it 619. Um, and basically this event is getting put on by a coalition of Black-run organizations that range from like um, local chapters of Black Lives Matter, um, the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights is in there. Uh, who else is Rising Majority is there? New Orleans Workers Center for Racial Justice. So a lot of different coalitions from across the country are organizing a day of action in, um, I guess, I don't know. We're going to see like what happens. What's I mean, for example, I'm not sure what's going to be happening here in Mexico City, but they're encouraging people to take action on this day. Um, you can check it out at 619.com. That's all like spelled out, 619. And they have like a list of really clear um, demands that they want like protests associated with this day to be making. Yes. Um, if you want me to read them, I can. They're really oh, please, quick. please do. Yeah. So number one is defund the police. Please. Um, number two is invest in black communities. Yes. And number three, only three of them. Number three is call for the resignation of Donald Trump. <laughs> Recall, okay, so um, <clears throat> this is uh, uh, the official songless statement. We are calling for the resignation of one Donald J. Garbagehead Trump. We're calling for all of those demands, actually. Yes, yes, yes. yes ha- make them all happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I think uh, this is, oh, um, I want to also like just point out, like, you know, everybody is really trying to participate. Everyone is trying to be active. Um, you know, hopefully not for clout, but because you're just a decent human being. Um, but also, like, do a little research. Google is free. Absolutely. You know, make sure that, you know, just maybe do a dig a little bit before you make a donation. You know, like, make sure that you are donating to the right organizations. Today, you know, I, I saw something, uh, kind of like an extensive uh, th- thread of people being like, is donating to the Black Lives Matter Foundation like the best thing to do because apparently like their finances are completely unaccounted for. Um, Right. And that, that could be a little sketch. So, you know, you can believe in the movement, but also like be careful about who you're donating to. That's not to say don't donate to this foundation, but maybe like, you know, do some research on how it is that they're spending that money because from what I saw, nobody fucking knows. And that's a little disquieting right so it's just like you know the NAACP is there there's a ton of bailout funds for the 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 protesters there's a shit ton of like you know uh, change.org petitions that you can be signing like there are many things that you can be doing again just 
do a little research. I'm not saying don't don't donate to the Black Lives Matter Foundation. I'm just saying, again, dig a little deeper. For sure. And I would also say, and I'm adding this note in there for my my fellow white people and white yes, passing and white privileged people, that it's also a really good time now that we're fucking trapped in our homes to go in a little bit and really think about like what we are carrying inside of us because we have some weird stuff that we're carrying <laughs> around. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're laughing because we're uncomfortable. Yeah. But <laughs> to that end, I have a book recommendation. Please. Um, um, which I'm actually reading with some of my white friends. <laughs> have, yes, we have Come a on, reading group. You know, um, it's called Me and White Supremacy and it's by Layla F. Saad. And um, it's actually a workbook. Okay. So it's like a book of writing prompts that like ask you to imagine, to examine your relationship with white supremacy and your complicity within that. And wow, it's it's like really heavy. Um, and so I think that it's it's doing something. It's Amazing. Doing something for me. I'm well, learning something. <laughs> I think I want to transition here, you know, to with a black artist, a, a, you know, very proud. Uh, Panameño, Nino Augustine. This is a song that you brought in. We've actually featured him on the show before. He was one of my favorite interviews that I did while I was in New York City last year. Uh, you guys can go back and listen to that. Um, and all of his discography, well, I think a lot of his discography is on Bandcamp, which you guys can go support right now or on Juneteenth or whenever. You know, give this man your money. Um, and the track is called Para Que Bailen. So tell us a little bit about Nino Cat. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like I feel like Nino was geared up for a really like lit summer. Yeah, you know? right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's not that he's not Nino, I know that you're having a, an amazing I mean, you're doing great. This song, I fucking love this song. Um but uh we were all it like, you know, we're all Nino in that sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he keeps dropping these like suck fucking like make you like very danceable like very fun like plena inspired inspired uh reggaeton and um yeah this is the and and you know what despite the fact that we're all trapped in our homes i do think that this kind of music is like exactly what we need right yes. now do you know what i mean like yes yeah, so. i mean a little a little joy you know can really go a long way these days exactly <laughs> exactly and that's what the song brings me so thank you nino and okay excellent so let's go ahead and listen to that now again this is para que bailen by nino augustine and we'll be right back with more cat donahue yeah. Oh, 
paso que llegué a romper la Nico y la calle. Dios bendiga esa cadera, ella es una matatana, la mera mera, una chimba, está bien linda, que sea una latina, yo no quiero gringa. Son jueguitos nada más, si nos alborotamos te ganan la Navidad, ellos mejor que yo, paren de soñar, no más precalentamiento, baby, vamos a empezar. Esto es para que la nena baile, esto es para que lo que anta baile. Habrán pasos que llegué a romper la disco y la calle. Forgiving all of my little limbs, they wanna be by her 
And we're back. And the second song that we just heard is by Salt Cathedral. The track is called How Beautiful She Is. This is featuring MC Bin Laden and Duendita. Um, I love this track. You know, it's a bit of baile funk meets, you know, like cool indie production. Um, Salt Cathedral, again, favorite of the show. Also been past guests. Oh, my God. I've interviewed a lot of fucking people. (laughs) Um, But yes, uh, friends of the show. um, They released their long anticipated debut album, Charisma. Uh, on in April, um, which again is available on Bandcamp, and you guys can go purchase it and support these wonderful, wonderful artists. Um, and I really like this song because it also kind of speaks to their hustle. Um, they have they love sending an email. Um, you know, they've they've uh, recorded tracks with Harina de Marco, Big Frida, Assassin, uh, Modest Yahoo. You know, and they, and uh, 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 Lee Scratch Perry, and they're very like well. If we think of someone that we want to work with, we send them an email and we try to make it happen. And I know for a fact, because they've told me, uh, that the song with MC Bin Laden took about two years uh, to lock down. Like they were just talking and talking and talking with his PR until one day they got a, a WhatsApp message with his verse and they were like, yes. Um, so, you know, shout out to Salt Cathedral. Again, the song kicks ass. Uh, MC Bin Laden is a fucking dope, badass uh MC from Brazil, uh, and Duendita, uh, a rising talent from Queens, New York, that you all should know. Again, she also has a, a wonderful Bandcamp page. Um, I want to use this somewhat um, Urbano break to talk about Urbano. <laughs> uh, mainly, uh, I guess it's demise. Um, you know, uh, for the listeners at home that you know may not be privy to the conversation that's still kind of happening well again it's still very very new this was announced yesterday but remezcla uh published an up in uh op-ed basically saying that um the word urbano uh they would stop using it um you know it's a a lot of it's part of many 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 changes in culture that are happening right now uh, in solidarity but also you know um you know, sensitively reading the room of all the things that are unfolding in the U.S., uh, especially regarding race. Um, for example, the um, the Grammys have renamed you know their their category for like urban contemporary into like progressive R and B. Um, you know, you might have re- you might remember a clip of Tyler the Creator this year when he won the Grammy, saying like, you know, very thankful to win a Grammy, but also it's it feels like a politically correct wor- way of saying the N word. Um, you know, and so like urban has been a, a very racialized, very problematic word for a long time. And so again, um, Remezcla released a statement saying that they won't be using the word urbano anymore, um, which again has been controversial. Um, and they, 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 uh, and this is not to say that every single person in the industry is going to, you know, follow suit. It's but it's a conversation starter to be sure. Um, and the term that they have offered up instead is El Movimiento, um, citing how there's a, I believe it's a Dominican website called Alofoque um, right. that, that uses this term. Um, and yeah, um, I, Kat, you have been very uh, clear that you are white <laughs> um, and that, you know, you're... I would like to state that my opinions on this matter <laughs> are probably not as interesting <laughs> Or valuable That's in any fair. way. But I will say that, you know, um, it's like really complicated because like I'm from the United States and the word to use the word urban to describe music 
is cringe. Yeah, it's super. It's I very, mean, very, very racist. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, people use it, and it doesn't. But yeah. But that being said, um, a lot of the artists that I cover um, throughout uh, Latin America do use that word a lot. So uh, there's a lot of discussion to be had about about um, about this proposal about I like to think of it as an opening of a of a longer conversation sure right like this as it is should be like kicking things off or like helping to like you know to join this wave that's happening right now about conversations about like deep-seated racial problems in all of our sure. societies um so yeah but yeah I think that uh definitely when Ramesca announced this week um I was very interested to hear about what people's um thoughts were sure because like, a lot of artists have been like what um right. and a lot of uh industry professionals like myself have said what right. um uh, you write about a lot of reggaeton and about a lot of trap, and I know I that you love dance hall and you love hip hop. Do you think the word urban has a different context in Latin America versus in the U.S.? Oh my gosh! You know, I don't know enough about the etymology of the of the term here to make like a, a an expert statement on that in sure. any way. Um, but yeah, I do think that there's. I mean, the reason why. Urban also is like frustrating, is because it's a catch-all, right? Absolutely, and that is like, one of my biggest issues with it. And yeah. it's super vague. We are at a time right now when many of the commercial artists in these genres skip back and forth a lot. Yeah, like I mean, everyone from from Balvin to Bad Bunny to Anuel, you know, um, Evie, Evie Queen, like all these artists, Fuego, o sea, like all these artists move back and forth between these genres a lot. So it is in that sense, it is, it is helpful to have a word that like is for a family of them. But, um, but yeah, I mean, really for me, like if we can move away from all these catch-alls. Well, and that's we'll kind of what, that's one of my off. big things about it. Right. I feel like, cause again, like going from Urbana to El Movimiento, it's also just a catch-all. Like you didn't mm. really solve anything. I guess like you, deracialized it I, I but it feels whitewashed at least with urbano you know that there's a connection to to people of color specifically black latinos you know and mm -hmm. where like el movimiento again i feel like it's a it's a it's it's an aesthetic change it's not really uh like eficaz i guess the word that i'm gonna go with is efficient or, or effective that's the word right you know i feel like it doesn't really do much it just it's just like well we're you know it's not implicitly racialized um you know and again everybody is gonna have their opinions and how they think it should it should have gone I, on twitter you know i pretty was pretty explicit about saying it. i was just like you know i understand that there's a problem with this word and I understand a need to change it. You know, again, like so many things are, you know, evolving currently. Like Lady Antebellum today changed their name to Lady A. You what? Know. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the country group for those who don't know who Lanti Lady Antebellum wow. is. Yeah, but because like that name <laughs> Listen, is, is very Civil NASCAR. War. Yeah, exactly. Can we talk about fucking NASCAR? Can we talk about Bubba Wallace specifically? I don't even know who that is. Bubba Wallace, <laughs> I did not know. Listen, I didn't know who she <laughs> Didn't know who he was either, but turns out Bubba Wallace is the only black driver in NASCAR. Wow, and his name is Bubba? His name is Bubba. Work. And Bubba has been taking a goddamn stand recently. I like, bet. he yeah. wore his Black Lives Matter shirt to before the race for the National Anthem. Racing? 
Yeah, well, they're in their cars. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is socially distanced. And he made a call for NASCAR fans to stop bringing the Confederate flag to the events, which honestly is a very basic ask and probably one that should have been made a long time ago. But Bubba made it this week. And guess what? NASCAR banned Confederate flags at their events. Like the next day or two days later. I've definitely seen on Twitter that people are big mad about it. So, you know. Really? Yes. Well, I mean, like NASCAR people are big mad about it, obviously. But like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yes, I, I, but, but it. White people, why are we like this? But it's, but it's a thing. Again, you, you know, being like ban the, you know, Confederate flag from mass events you would think is kind of an obvious ask and it's just like seems like it should have happened i don't know around the civil war there was a drive of a kind of a well-known driver i saw that resigned he's just like i'm not doing nascar anymore you're joking yeah like it's legit legit and so that's you know so that's why like these conversations are incredibly important And, and and again like that's why so much of it is evolving you know and i'm not saying that like the first pivot is going to be the the best one you know like obviously like everything evolves and it refines and et cetera, et cetera. So that's why like going back to the whole El Movimiento thing, you know, I had a couple of reactions to it. First of all, it was very like, I feel like the term El Movimiento is incredibly whitewashed. You know, they're like the media that has made reggaeton a global thing is complicit in the fact that it, they whitewashed it. That's why now, whenever you read anything about reggaeton, the first paragraph always has something about like how this music was forged by black kids in Panama and Puerto Rico. Because it's it's true, but it's kind of like, it's kind of- It been, bears reminding. It, it super bears reminding because the faces of the movement are not black, not at the moment. Sech and Osuna are very rare exceptions <laughs> to the to the rule, right. you know? And so, so that's one, you know? So I, like, I feel like El Movimiento whitewashes that where like, and this is personal, like I, you know, I'm, and I'm not like, oh, why didn't they read my mind? But I'm like, I almost would have preferred a rebrand in the way that like queer, for example, went from being a slur to becoming this very empowered, very politicized a reclamation, rebrand, exactly, uh-huh. of this word. And I feel like Urbano could have done that. It could have been like an af- uh, an affirmation, a reminder of the racial roots of reggaeton, uh-huh. you know, again. That's interesting. It, it is interesting. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't fucking know. But it's just like it's it's a it's part of the conversation. I also wasn't in love with it was it being a bunch of writers in New York City that decided that they were going to rebrand this mm. when they were rebranding uh, a genre of music that's made in Latin America. Mm. Uh, I know that Guru of Rapeton was a part of this conversation, and he's from Puerto Rico, um, so great. But he still pretty based in the u.s and i don't know for how long you know like that changes you so it's just like i want to have i want this conversation to be extended to latin america because as we keep seeing in media latin america continues to be the story but never the actors mm-hmm. never the writers of that story you know we're never invited to the conversation and a lot of people are not really excited about having that conversation you know, like Latin America is very guarded about our feelings at times, you know. Um, so I can understand that. But it's just like, again, I'm not going to like, you know, be like, Meh. but I do wish it had been like, hey, maybe we can get 
you know, the backing of like involved musicians from Latin America, mm. labels from Latin America, like, you know, labels from Puerto Rico, you know, artists from be like, hey, we're thinking of doing this. What do you think? You know, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. Right. You know, it just and, feels more too. And brilliant. I hope and I believe because um, like I, you know, lo love Remezcla and think uh, and believe in Remezcla. Like, Absolutely. That, Same. I still write for them. Hello. That <laughs> this that the publication um, looks to be a home for those conversations. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of writers came out, like uh, Jenny Jennifer Mota, uh, who was one of the, the the people who cited in this in this piece. Um, you know, she came out and she's like, "I'm not going to use this anymore." And um, a colleague of ours, a mutual colleague, um, uh, she actually had kind of hey, a, a, a great thought on it. It was like, you know, like it's very different when one of us comes out and it's like we make it a personal decision, and it's different when, you know. Uh, a, a publication comes out because that beca makes it more institutionalized right and so that that has a different weight to it so right, right, again right. it's a conversation that needs to evolve i'm not by any means dragging remezcla because i mean again i know better and that's also doesn't serve anyone um but it's just like it's an encouragement i like i often because again and here's a criticism for latin america people in latin america often will just fucking swallow it and adopt it just because people in the u.s are doing it it's like the whole like little black square thing just like you know, little black, little black the, the dumb little black square. Fuck those little black squares. You know, you didn't <laughs> do shit. How about you go donate? How about you go march if you can? You know, yeah. but fuck those little black squares. But it's also like you know, like all these influencers sharing little black squares. You know, like nobody in Latin America wants to have these racialized conversations. It's just a bunch of people being like, you know, here's my black square, pinches nacos. You know, it's just like what, like in the same breath. You know, so well, and I hope that some people who put up a black square actually did have constructive conversations. I day. do hope, but my faith <laughs> is sure not, not high. all of them. I am I am not a man of faith. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, so it's a conversation that's evolving. Um, and I think I again, I just encourage people, and this is something I, you know I've encouraged for years. Ask more questions. Just you know, don't just accept something. Like the intention is, I think the intention is right. I think the term is awful um and i think the conversation deserves much more uh, amplification and uh like again inclusivity of people in making the music um uh i think this is a music break speaking of which sounds like a music break um so we had a whole playlist and i kind of like rearranged it because like this these conversations are kind of like better paired with certain uh songs and i want to play a song by Auda. Uh, it's called yeah! It's Always Sunny in Vagina. Oh, um, yeah. And, I, you know, this is a little bit of a spoken word hip hop, you know, situations. It's great. I'm really you brought the song in. Please tell us about it. Oh, man. I, I'm a big Aura fan. Um, Aura is a MC from Providence, Rhode Island. Um, she's part of this like really amazing DIY music scene in Providence. And yeah, I just I've never think heard she's, anything like, from there. Extremely creative. Didn't the Downtown Boys come from Providence? Uh, the only thing I, I know about Providence is P Town. Like lots of white Man, gays being. White I would gays. hate to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the Downtown Boys came from came out of the same scene. That would be cool. Um, but anyways, uh, Aura is super creative. Like I just I never like know like what her next song is gonna sound like, but it's not gonna be like an industry trend ever. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, this song and her lyrics are beautiful, and I just feel like they're very like. Um, I don't know. I, I, I 
they click with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dig <laughs> it. I mean, it's a it's a great song. It's like it's like low key. Again, it's not yeah. what I expected it to be. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was gonna be a perreo. It's really not that. Yeah. Um, but I dig it. Okay. No, it's more like a spoken word, like kind of like an interlude, but it does have that beat. Yeah, uh-huh. it's just like I'm like, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and listen to that now. Again, so this is aura or aura, depending on you know who you pray to. Um, and the song is called It's Always Sunny in Vagina. Um, and we'll be right back with more Cat Donahue. It's always sunny, baby. It's always sunny. It's always sunny, baby. It's always sunny in vagina, baby. Open up the doors and unleash your freak Don't you worry about if they gon' judge you uh, They gon' always find a way to judge you uh, Looking for a reason, yeah, a loophole Why don't you just look up in my asshole? Oh, you spell your spouse or said they've been here Tongue along the rim, yeah, of my derriere Oh, my darling, don't listen to what they say What they thinking is they hate that they try and working to destroy you Never could they block what God got for you God got for you Never could they block what God got for you It's always sunny, baby It's always sunny It's always sunny, baby It's always sunny It's always sunny, baby. It's always sunny I got the truth to set you free It's always sunny in vagina, baby A righteous statement, ayy there's some between thighs, giver of life Gotta say it twice, say it thrice till you feel me A million till you feel me I hope you feel me soon I know you'll feel me soon Cause I got the truth to set you free It's always sunny where they wanna be When they get that blessing, they feel that soul Brings them to the light, there's some between thighs Say it twice, say it thrice till you feel me A million till you feel me, oh I know you know the truth It's always sunny, baby It's always sunny It's always sunny, baby It's always sunny It's always sunny It's always sunny where I wanna be And I got the truth to set you free It's always sunny where they wanna be And I got the truth to set you free It's always sunny where we wanna be and I got the truth to set you free It's always sunny in vagina, babe I got the truth to Hey, hey It's always sunny Song Mess Un show de música emergente latinoamericana Donde mezclamos entrevistas con los sonidos más frescos del underground su anfitrión, Richard Villegas, es un periodista musical contribuyendo a publicaciones como Remezcla, Rolling Stone y Bandcamp. Y con Song Mess, las conversaciones toman un giro más casual y personal, revelando el mundo interior de cada invitado. Song Mess está disponible en todas las plataformas digitales y lo puedes escuchar por Radio Nova Costa Rica todos los lunes y jueves a las 9 de la mañana. Song Mess.
dicen de mí unas cosas por ahí Si estoy aquí es porque le chingué y sufrí Aquí sigo en mi rollo cono sin tener apoyo A todos yo me los como y lo hago a mi modo porque yo ya le batallé No sé por qué en su boca sigue mi nombre Creo que les gustó lo que hago a sus órdenes El mago pa' los morros caga pa' los que de mí siguen hablando Y que una dona que suene Pa' rolar bien y quitarme el estrés Tal vez para andar tumbado algo bien y nada malo La pasamos bien calmados somos unos marihuanos Puro rancho humilde companata Su compita cano viejones Se llenan el plato de palabras Quieren pedirme un paro Yo los hago para un lado Soy el mismo, no he cambiado Sigo dejándolo Claro, vi un deportivo para ruletear Que unas dos o tres botellas para cotorrear A quien Cali me la pasó A quien andamos al chingazo Siempre con un doble vaso Ya se saben bien el caso Los correos tumbados viejones And we're back. And the track that we just played there is by Natanael Cano and Yvonne Galas. It's called El Magico. Um, and let's let's start because th this is going to be this is also going to be a long one. It's just I, I it, there's really a lot to unpack here on this day. Um, tell us about the song, Kat. Um, well, this song is off of Natanael Cano's recent album, Corridos Tumbaos. Dos. Okay. The follow-up to his groundbreaking, I would say, Work. Corridos Tumbados album from last year. Um, Nathaniel has really emerged as the star of this whole um, Corridos Verdes, Corridos... Ah, perdón. Um, Corridos Verdes, Corridos Verdes... Um, Tumbaos movement. Mm -hmm. um, he's a signee off of Rancho Humilde, um, where he's joined like by a lot of the other... Um, yeah, big names of, of this uh, of this movement. So, yeah, this album was a good one. I chose this song in particular because I love Yvonne Galas, who is um, Rancho Humilde's first woman signee. Yes. Um, which I, which obviously I love because I'm a big old feminazi. Sure. But um, okay. <laughs> but don't use that word for any reason. <laughs> don't even use it like I just did. Joking. It's not funny. It's okay. the urbano of feminism. Don't use it. I'm sorry. I apologize, Songness listeners. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Ah, Yvonne. Um, yeah, she's from Ciudad Obregón in Sonora. Mm -hmm. And um, oh wow, we're actually going to be playing another band from Sonora shortly, right? <laughs> um, and kind of was one of these talents that kind of grew up like strumming the guitar in their bedroom, um, like developing their skills. And then when she moved to LA, um, a fam, a family, I think her brother-in-law actually, um, this singer named Andrew Bautista introduced her to the Rancho Humilde um, crew, to mm -hmm. Jimmy Humilde in particular, the the founder of the label. Uh, and yeah, they were they were into her. Um, I'm excited because like uh, right now, for whatever reason, there hasn't been. I mean, like Chiqui Rivera is like a, a huge um, 
regional artist mm -hmm. for sure but um there there's not like a superstar woman right now um in the way that like Nathaniel Cano is whatever and I, I don't know if Yvonne is is going to be that person but I just I'm really excited about seeing those like super young super talented singer and musician just to do a little world building uh tell us about Rancho Milde what is it why why are they so important um yeah uh, Rancho Humilde is a label um, out of SoCal and uh, sorry I keep kind of turning away from the microphone um, but uh, and, and what to say about it um, well, like, I think they've really like pioneered they've become the face along with Dell Records of this like um, trap corridos movement um, which has become kind of like ground zero for this meeting between uh, el movimiento yeah, yeah, yeah. music and uh, regional um, kind of like uh, two giant misnoming catch-alls. Super lazy, <laughs> right? I know. I'm sorry. But this music really is like regional. I mean, it, a lot of these artists are moving between a lot of these different genres, yes. even on the same album, um, from Norteño, yes. you know, the banda, things like that. So, again, like, as a writer, I appreciate these catch-all terms. Sure. But this, You know, that they like, um, anyways. But, yeah, they, they do these, like, you know, Norteño beats, banda beats, um, with kind of, like... Uh, like the SoCal trap like thematics do you mm. know what I mean um so yeah it's like the meeting of these two different cultures that's like very Long Beach very SoCal yeah. like meeting from California I'm from San Francisco so I'm not trying to say that I'm from SoCal at all don't everybody <laughs> freak out on me You're but no, no Cal you know <laughs> I'm definitely not Cal. Uh, but that being said, um, yeah, it just speaks to me of this like, and also of like the this like trans border um, history that corridos have. Yes, you know, like this is a, a really a, a, an art form that was developed in both the United States and in Mexico, of course, in um, places like Austin, like Los Angeles, yes. but also like Culiacan, um, you know, many places in northern Mexico. So Mexicali. Mexicali, yeah, yeah. Talk about it. Let's yeah, I, name I, them out. Name them out. Uh, but I and and I really like you know I knew you were gonna bring uh, some sort of regional song because you're this is your current obsession. Yeah. Um. And today I had to write about a regional song which I loved and we're gonna listen to that in a little bit. Yeah. Um. And you know regional. So it's not this is not the kind of music that I don't know if we've ever played like a like a. A banda song or a really? ranchera before on song list. and yeah, I, I'm not. One oh wow! I, I would be surprised, but like I know they're not many. That's why I'm like I can't, and I'm pretty good at remembering what I've played before. Right. Um. And you know, and so like for the listeners at home, be it you know, like I mean, if you're from California, Arizona, Texas, you've heard this music. You know, it's it's entirely possible that the further north you go or the further south you go, it becomes less common. Sure, you know, like, sure. you know, so I, I, I'm 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 excited to sort of talk about it because, again, like regional is a, it's a very important genre of music in Mexico. Absolutely. You know, regional is kind of a catch all, as you ex explained, for banda and corridos and norteño and musica grupera um, and even mariachi like rancheras right. are technically uh regional which is well, regional like, is the name for like <laughs> most music made in mexico yeah <laughs> so, and that's why it's like so I mean, fucking egregiously misnoming it's just like doesn't 
doesn't really do the job. Right, right, um, right. And like, and and you know, and I've and I'll be pretty upfront. I've never cared for this kind of music. I grew up in Dominican Republic, and it was very common to hear this stuff or like rancheras just on radio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mexico is a big sort of source of of entertainment of media for for Dominican Republic. And I'd be like, ugh. And like, generally speaking, people aren't fans, but for some reason, they're always on fucking radio. Um, mm. And living in Mexico, I get it. Like right. now I get it, you right, know, because right, like right. I would hear it sometimes in the U.S. I'd be like, Neh. you know, but like being in Mexico, I it's love different. El Norte. El Norte is my shit. Mm-hmm. Like I lives for Chihuahua, Monterrey, Mexicali, Tijuana, not so much because she's shady, you know, but the- Sonora, Sonora is Shout lit. out Tijuana. I love you, Tijuana. Nah, I like my friends in Tijuana and I like the tacos in Tijuana are it. but and, and the clubs, but she's shady girl. She's shady boots. Wow. Um, but like a fucks with El Norte and like, you know, it's hot as balls. It's, you know, 40 degrees Celsius out. You got that beer, you, you know, you got your little Stetson mm-hmm. and yeah, like some Cristiano Lal comes on and you're like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> oh, we have played actually. We played on in Nino's episode and in Solomon Ray's episode. We did play some. Regional. And I'm sure you understand <laughs> a lot more about oh, so regional genres after living in Mexico. Yes. I mean, that also makes a big difference in how you experience a genre. Absolutely. Completely. Mm-hmm. And and like what I like, what I'm really intrigued by is this new trend that we see emerging of like it's mainstreaming in a different way and it's also become much more experimental um uh you know for example like Nathan Elcano had that song with Bad Bunny you know el, uh, Soy el Diablo and remix um and it's just like what <laughs> you know I don't or, know if I'd call it experimental because what it's doing is connecting with the very most commercial sound that we have right now there's nothing like risky about it well, do you know what I mean I think I think it is risky because I well, I think most would perceive this as a very traditional genre. Sure. So to see it stepping out in that way, I mean, it makes perfect sense because right. like they're both, you know, reggaeton and corridos are often about like, you know, kind of being gangsters in their own, you know, communities and context. And so like it makes sense that these two G's would like fucking like cross over like that. Right. And I think more than I think that. For me, it's like, like it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Honestly, again, like you don't only have to go to Southern California to see how, like, for example, hip hop and gangster rap evolved alongside like Norteño music in places like Long Beach and things like that. So for me, this makes all the sense. Plus, it is super cute to see um, like the trap and reggaeton stars meeting up with these banda stars. Sure. Like that is entertainment. Like you're I like, how is this gonna sound? Because a lot of it sounds different. Like for example, if you come come um, compare. Uh, like Fuerza Regia, for yes. example, with La Plevada. Sure. They don't sound anything alike. Correct. Do you know what I mean? La, La Plevada La being um, a duo from, from here from Mexico, um, Cozy Cuz and Fantasy, um, currently based in Mexico City, but they're both and of them mochis. grew up um, in Los Mochis yeah. in Sinaloa, or they were like originally from there, and then I think Vanessa went to Tijuana and whatever. Anyways, they are traperos. They're like trap artists, straight up. Um, they've been with homegrown entertainment for a while, but in the last couple of years, they've been experimenting with these, um, with yeah, with more um, uh, banda sinaloense and things like sure. that, incorporating live instruments into their 
into their deal, into their live show even. I missed them amazing. at Ceremonia so that I could see, so that I could meet Pablo Vitar. And Honestly, while I don't regret that, I really wish I'd seen them. Honestly, they, I really like their show. It's yeah. really, it's really a beautiful thing to watch. Anyways, but it's like all these different ways that people are, I just also interviewed this, um, an artist, uh, Ferber Mescla, um, named W Corona uh -huh. from Monterrey, who was another rapper who was out like a, a decade long career as a rapper. Um, but oh, his wow. new um, EP Nueva Ruta is is all um, not a uh, region, not just like trap nor uh, norteño, but also um, like he's the first artist that I've heard uh, go and attempt this the, the reggaeton norteño blend that's i, I that. believe yeah. that that is the first time that i've i've uh, heard that like music wise um well and that's why i call it experimental i mean there was this song and and again like you know some are more effective than others obviously like for example like trillones who is from mexicali did this amazing uh banda sinaloense song but he did it all on synthesizer so like for example like the the, the tuba is all Bless like, you, Triones. The, the tuba is just like the, the baseline just in the fattest possible settings. It was like, boom, 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 You know, so it's like, or like um, this this one song, um, you know, Cristiano Dal, Tercer Elemento, and Alice. Like, Alice, are you serious? And, you know, it was playing, like, I remember eating tacos de canasta on the street, and, like, the lady who's selling them to me has the radio on, and that song is playing. I'm like, you know, Whoa. so that's what I'm saying. It's just like, it's really wild the way that, like, Again, some some genres feel very sacred, very traditional, very like they can't change. They they are immutable. And then suddenly, you know, like these all these things are happening. And I think that's really, really cool. Um and I think it's just a matter of time before for sure. Happen, yeah. And like and I love the way that it's mainstreaming. Again, like it's cause it's forced me to reexamine my relationship with regional music. Right. Where before like I used to recoil from it at the first like tuba blow, you know, I'd be like now I'm like, okay, uh huh. You know, and I want to play uh, next. Uh, I, I, again, I want to kind of like um, hunker down on these experiments. Well, yes. You had well, to, yeah, to I was I was going to say um, that uh, the more that uh, I've been kind of uh, digging into to this thing, the more that I realized that uh, the whole like uh, movement uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> meeting um, is not something that just are, I think that there's been experimentations sure. with it going back like a long ass time. In fact, um, I came across I'm trying to look up as I write on this. Um, she better ah, here fact we go. check live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> just, you don't want to say something stupid. Yeah, um, never been a problem. <laughs> uh, there's this song by uh, Tigros del Norte called uh -huh. Rap Norteño. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. It came out in 1991. Uh, it's a goofy song, but it's good. Sure. You should listen. I mean, it's it's cute. Or I hope like, that you all go and listen to the song Banda, Rap Norteño you know, by la, Tigros del Norte. La Tecnobanda, I mean, was like... I. Uh, Friend of the show, Marcelo Baez, did a, a, a video series, which are on his Instagram TV. You guys can go find it. Um, but he did a he did a, a, a two part series on Tecnobanda and how like it was basically the top music genre, I believe, in California or at least in Los Angeles, like 93, 94, 95. Like. And it's just like and it's like, how? <laughs> you know? But it's just like this is because it. Because like, Los Angeles. Yeah. Precisely because. <laughs> I actually got Oscar Morales, again, friend of the show. 
um, to, What's up, make, Oscar? To, to, to make me Oscar. He, Oscar. She, she wishes. Perdón, Oscar. Perdón, Oscarcito. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, he made me a. I was like, hey, can you make me a playlist of Tecnobanda? And like every so often, like I play it as I like, I'm like cleaning the house. I'm like, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I guess it's like not. A classic Oscar move. I guess it's not necessarily. Making fire playlist. <laughs> I, I guess it's not necessarily a new thing that there is experimentation because, you know, like, who am I? I'm not a fucking, you know, regional historian. But I, I don't know. Same. I feel like it's mainstreaming in a different way now. Like, we're like, critics are now, you know, catching on, you know? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I want to talk about the, uh, about these these things, these ideas, these crossovers. Um, and I've actually brought in two songs, which I never thought I'd be the girl to bring in two regional songs. But here we are. Um, so the first one, I, you know, this is a, a meme. This is a hit. This is the song of the summer as far as I'm concerned. This is uh, Snoop Dogg and Banda MS. Uh, Such a good Que maldición. Um, I love this fucking song. It's a beautiful song. Um, and I'm going to play a remix of it. Um, but, you know, like, let's talk about the king of SoCal for a minute. Um, you know, crossing over with Banda MS. Because you were like, oh, pff, girl, this has been in the works forever. I mean, Snoop doggy dog is a confirmed banda fan <laughs> if you follow his social media he stays singing along to the banda yeah. uh, looking out windows with a little tear in his eye and a little <laughs> joint in his hand to banda um he's actually been forecasting this collaboration in fact for i swear to you years i haven't like looked up when the first mention of the most first rumor of uh, Snoop and Banda MSA are from. But I think that if, I mean, for anyone who do, who doesn't know this, which is a crazy thing not to know, but Snoop uh, went to the same high school as Jenny Rivera. I did not know this. Are you serious? Look at that. That's amazing. Uh -huh. I believe it. I believe it. Oh yeah, well, it was in Long Beach. I can't remember that because I know name. I know he like some of those videos that you mentioned. Like he's been listening to Jenny Rivera and totally, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, I totally, didn't know that. yeah. So this is what I'm saying about like how this kind of like confluence of genres is like it was only just a matter of time. Sure, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, anyways, yeah. Um, uh, Snoop and, and Banda MSA, it came out, it finally came out. This song, I'm telling you, I live in uh, Roma Sur in Mexico City, and I think that it's the song that I most hear coming out of people's houses down here this during this time. This is the fucking song of the summer. I don't care what nobody has to say about it, right. you know, like. So <laughs> So we're going to listen to Snoop Dogg and Banda MS. The song is called Que Maldición. However, this has a little twist. Um, I wanted to play a remix. Uh, Mahio Bus did a fantastic remix. Mahio friend, Bus. friend of the show, Mahio Bus. You guys can go back and listen to that interview. Um, and it's just a, a little dance here. It, the essence of the song is still there. It's just, you know, the kicks are a little bit stronger. So again, uh, this is Ken Maldición. This is the Mahio Bus remix, and we'll be right back with more Cat Donahue. Woo.
every time you leave, there's only one thing that I know. What's that? Maybe your next I know. Maybe me, that's my cool, but I'm guilty because I go away a lot. But say you want me to stay, and I won't. So here I'm in my life, I don't know if that's conmigo. Me, I guess what do I'm ready to go by via soy amigo. Let's be your thing, I'm That means I love you dearly. And every time you go on, I'm always going to want you near me. Snooky. Es que no sabes cuánto duele el amor No sabes cuánto duele en el corazón Es que el efecto que causaste en mí La maldición de extrañar Es que no sabes cuánto
me hace alucinar Cuando te acerca lentamente te quiero besar Con ese movimiento ardiente sabes provocar Yo te eras todo en mi sentido, no puedo evitar Lo sigue y te enseñaré Toma esta música, sé que se te dice la piel Toma mi mano, ven conmigo y acompáñame Juntos quitémonos el frío y aprovócame Porque es tu piel de morena Y ese misterio que encierra Tu mirada me encadena heard there is by regional heroes uh los picadientes de caborca uh these these are like low-key like my regional faves um they are from Son the state of sonora in northern mexico um and uh, if you don't know some of their classics like la cumbia del rio or uh, i love you i hardly hardly har uh, hardly I highly, highly encourage you to go and uh, listen to those songs. Uh, but this one is called Punjabi Cumbia. And this is uh, a really unusual uh, collision of sounds that I was just f immediately floored by. Uh, this is featuring uh, two um, uh, Asian performers. Uh, we have British Pakistani singer uh, Sanwal uh, Esakhelvi um, and Indian rapper producer uh, Kuwar Virk. Um, and so this is, again, this is just like mind-expanding, globe-trotting, transcontinental, like, banger status. Because it's like, it's a Bangra song, but it has like tuba, and it has like cl clarinet, and it has like all, the, all those layers of cumbia horns, you know, and it's just like, it's kind of mind-boggling. And it's just like, again, it's going back to what we were saying before, it's just like, The, I think the the door has just been kicked open, and people are just going to start doing all these wild things now. And and I think that we, from a critical standpoint, are going to start examining them differently. Um, right. So I'm I don't know I'm obsessed with it. Um, so um, <laughs> right as we were uh, getting ready to record, the room got a little smokier. Um, oh, lol. And. Um, <laughs> As you mentioned at the beginning of the show, you are Cat Donahue, uh, a well-known uh, cannabis writer. Um, Thank you. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Thank you for calling me well-known. Well, um, you know, renowned. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been writing about cannabis for a minute. I've been writing for cannabis almost a decade because I used to be. I used to work at the San Francisco Bay Guardian. Mm -hmm. Um, which was a amazing alt weekly, kind of like the second alt weekly of the country after 
Village Voice. Wow. Um, okay, I, w- I wanted to ask you about that. I was like, I used the Village Voice as an example about yeah. alt weeklies, and I wasn't sure if it really was an alt weekly or not. Or no, absolutely. Uh, the thing about the Village Voice is what happened to to most alt weeklies. Um, they started out, out as these like super bunches of like radical weirdos. Yeah. Like, big coalitions of them, because you can't just have one kind of weirdo. You need to have them all if they're going to do something like this. (laughs) Um, That relied on local advertising and had this, like, you know, this, like, self-sufficient feedback group. I mean, they certainly had their struggles. I mean, we can talk about racism and sexism in all weeklies, you know what I mean? But, um, But it was a form of local independent media, which is really cool. Where were we going with this? Sorry, we were talking about smoking. weed, right? Ah, okay. So anyway, so it's, it's weed brain, yeah. So exactly, my <laughs> my beloved editor, who I like to call my journalism dad, although he doesn't claim me in public. Ooh. Um, wow. Love as me and such, Oscar. lol. <laughs> <laughs> um, Marky B, he was like, "Okay, you're gonna be writing a cannabis column, yeah, in the paper every week." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yes, it's gonna be called Herbwise. Go." And at the time, mind you, I, you know, I've been smoking weed since my adolescence sure um i'm a consumer absolutely um uh and i quickly realized that i had the chance to to graduate my my involvement with marijuana because not only was the uh was i gonna have this in uh, column and be able to like meet marijuana people but the paper actually paid for my medical marijuana card which what yes because these are the first years of medical of legal marijuana medical yeah, yeah, marijuana yeah. in california so anyways long story short i started doing it um the federal government starts raiding like california legal dispensaries um craziness years later i moved to mexico and um and now i'm writing about a completely different cannabis reality um which is the mexican cannabis reality um a country that is well known for producing marijuana and is at a very historic moment when it comes to marijuana legalization i know that we're on the brink um sort yeah of. so right if people, if, if, <laughs> for a if, while if the powers that be feel like it we're it's on been the brink. A, it's been a minute that we've been on the brink but sure. um yeah like a couple years ago um the supreme court ruled mm. that the prohibition of cannabis violated your constitutionally given rights to develop your own personality yes um i'm not gonna go into all the legalese because it is really it took a long time and it was very complicated but sure (laughs) (laughs) they told that doesn't mean in mexico that doesn't mean that it's law yet though the legislature has to make the law yeah here's where the problem comes in where we (laughs) so we've been waiting for the last uh, couple years for this legislator for the legislature which is um controlled by the president's political party morena Mm -hmm. to yeah to pass this regulation and he's been pretty vocal about fuck that AMLO has been very confusing um, while his party continues to move forward on cannabis legalization legislation. The president has made very negative statements about um, such a move. In fact, he at one point linked um, cannabis usage to Mexico's high rates of violence which was a bummer. He said that some very high percentage of murder victims had been on um, drugs or alcohol when they were killed, as if that somehow caused their death. Sure. Uh-huh. And he's also <laughs> mentioned, oh, no, we don't want to do recreational. We just want to do medicinal, even though Me- Mexico already has medicinal. I mean, very vague and not sufficient me- medicinal sure. marijuana. But... um. 
uh, yeah, Amos also made news about, oh, actually, we only want to do this. But it's like, well, but this, no, you, you don't get to decide that because the Supreme Court. Right? So right now where we're at is that they're on their third um, deadline extension. Sure. Which is at the end of the year, end of the legislative cycle this year. So, you know, we'll see if it happens. Right now there's a big old protest camp. Um, well, it's not as big anymore because it, they shrunk it down for COVID. But I was going to say, I was like, are they still there? No, there's like six people. They're, they are still there. Oh, they wow. are still there. The, there's the a plantons, the four, a ha planton 420, okay. um, 420 um, which we had a really fun party at to a little afternoon protest party sure. before all this chaos went I, down. I want to ask you about... Mar- In front of the Mexican Senate. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. That is really... That's that a really, really important... fucking matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's like weed plants that have there's been planted a, in front of the Mexican mar- Senate. There is a thriving marijuana garden right in front of the visitor's entrance of the Mexican Senate right now. It's insane if you're... I mean, you can't, really don't come here. Girl. If you're not here right now, please don't come here to see <laughs> it. But if for whatever reason you are in Mexico City, go see that. Mexico really by. is that girl. Um, I want to talk about marijuana in media. Um, right. Because, again, you are a marijuana writer. I am. Um, among many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I recently, one of the last episodes that came out with uh, Nadine Masri, Nadine Masri, I should say, uh, from El Salvador, we actually spoke about marijuana. Um, and she was like, it's still very scandalous in, in many places. Mm. And she's like, you know, like we played um, like a like a reggae band and, and she was like, they're fierce advocates for marijuana and da da da. And one of the our upcoming episodes with uh, artists from uh, Honduras is also uh, with Armani Lagucci. The, they also were talking about that. Like it's still very stigmatized, but it's just like. And why know, would that be? Do sure. you think? I mean, in Latin America, marijuana has been tied with really high levels of violence because of these showdowns between law enforcement and cartels it's not that the drug trade in and of itself is violent it is policing of the drug trade correct that's violent. well i don't i take it back there's also internal stuff that goes on but when all the guns came in and things like that especially in mexico it's not i mean it it correlated with a rise in police activity anyways um, so how do you think marijuana is portrayed in media these days uh and also what are some resources that people can like you know, look into if, if they want to be more informed. Right. Well, I think that what you need to watch out for with marijuana coverage is like marijuana coverage that's really the marijuana industry. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Because as in a lot of different kinds of reporting, there's a lot of like crossover. Um, where that gets complicated is when the industry's needs and interests are at odds with consumer marijuana consumers marijuana cultivators marijuana patients sure um so it's good to keep in mind when you're reading about marijuana that there's a lot of different um concerns there i mean top one among them being racial justice Mm -hmm. i mean we need to talk about that especially right now um Marijuana is a is a racial issue. Like Absolutely. drug war policing affects people of color more than white people. Way. Uh-huh. And now and even post legalization, guess what? It doesn't take away I mean, legalization does not take away racial inequity. I mean, and it gets exacerbated inside the industry. Like you see very few entrepreneurs of color. And some governments are trying to take steps where they've legalized marijuana to to do social equity programs, but no one's came up with a good solution with that so far. Yeah. You've so, also been very vocal that it's very much the industry is a boy- club yes 
yes. Um, I do feel like that from time to time. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what do I, how like far in do I want to go? <laughs> Am I feeling like going for blood today? Yes. <laughs> Have you not heard the rest of the conversation we've had today? <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, I mean, I will say because I'm already like on the record about this or whatever, but I did have um, a common freelancer woe with my dream clients um, who I wrote for for a couple of years, High Times, um, just like had some like very shitty payment ethics um which is a bummer and really the only reason why i feel comfortable like saying that is because a forbes reporter interviewed me about said failure to pay because apparently they were doing it to a lot of their freelancers which you know what is rude all the time but honestly to do during the covid crisis is fucking Lord, I think that you really do see people's true colors during Absolutely. times like these. Well, media is currently going through a reckoning right now, right? right. Like, you know, the New York Times, Bon, bon Appetit is really going through it this right, week. Right, um, right. But I want to talk about new media, hopefully unproblematic oh, media. Oh, new media, yeah. Yeah, you have a show oh, that, yeah, that we do. need to promote properly on oh, this show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited about it, too. Um Kronika is the show that I just started doing for Radio Nopal, which is one of the biggest independent radio stations in Mexico. I'm very honored to be on that lineup. Um, and yeah, and it's a it's an interview show. So I'm going to be interviewing um, uh, people from La Cultura Canabica of Mexico City mm-hmm. and from beyond. Um, but it is the show is going to be it is in Spanish um, for all of you who, who speak Spanish uh, come through. And uh, yeah, right now it's at Saturdays at 3 p.m. every other week. Um, I just interviewed for the debut episode. I interviewed one of my heroines. Yes. This is why I mentioned that cannabis is a bit of a boys club because she's been such a force in like disrupting that. Totally. Right. Absolutely. So Polita Pepper is her name and she is like a, a, a veteran cultivator. Um, a master cultivator, you you should you could say, and the co-founder of this organization called Canativa, which is this nonprofit here in Mexico City that's been a government-recognized nonprofit for I think eight years now. And I was like, how did you manage to do this? Like, can you tell me, explain how this is possible in a country where marijuana is is all kinds of can? I mean, most kinds of cannabis is illegal. And um, she wasn't really able to properly explain. Uh. Anyway, but um, but yeah, but Polita is part of also this, the um, the Red Latino Americana de de Mujeres Canabicas. Okay. And um, they are putting together this documentary on like worldwide women's experiences within cannabis. They just like solicited videos and like hundreds of people from all around the world. Like, um, yeah. Um, sent in little clips of them talking about what their lives are like working within cannabis. That's amazing. And and by the way, guys, like I'm not much of a smoker. I, I don't really, you know. Eh. We're working I'm, on I'm, you. I'm an, I'm an edible girl. Yeah. You know, I, I smoke every so often. I didn't smoke today, and I probably won't. But but just secondhand. But I, exactly, that's good enough for me. <laughs> but but sitting sitting in a room with her for thirty minutes, it was like, you know, like my mind was blown. It's just like smart as fuck. Holy shit. Yeah, she knows so much because she. Grew up in Michoacan and like among grower communities, yes. um, and she's done heavy research on like um, 
uh, academic work on interactions between like indigenous marijuana farm farming communities and and narco um, stuff about the marijuana industry in Mexico, which does exist already. Like I feel like in the in the middle of legalization, we want to think that oh, we're creating the first marijuana industry. <laughs> like no, there's a huge marijuana industry here. Um, but um, being able, but it's really dangerous to. Rep- to report on so sure yeah her kind of research is really rare and super valuable um where can people listen to it oh just God. a reminder <laughs> listen to oh it's a chronica yeah oh yeah it's a chronica LOL, that's what LOL. i mean yes yes, yes what yes, are yes, you yes. talking about uh, <laughs> yeah my radio See, this show is why, this is why i'm not smoking because i'm trying to produce a show lol <laughs> okay so um you can already listen to the first episode it's up on www.radionopal.com that's the episode 0000 with polita pepper um and you can hear us live at also at www.rayonopal.com. Oh, so it is possible to tune in if you're even if you're not in Mexico. Oh, absolutely. You Amazing. just go to the website. Amazing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Radio Nopal. So serious. <laughs> and um, yeah, they're like legit, legit. Yeah. So you can join us. You can hear me struggle through my first couple episodes as my own producer. But um, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting my there. own producer. Really? Well, yes. I've been. I, I, what What am I? Chop liver? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but help me push the buttons then, Richard. <laughs> if you want to be the producer, I'll, you could sit there every single episode <laughs> and and cue things. I have I have Richard provided some <laughs> technical <laughs> capacitaciones. But <laughs> but it was funny because, yeah, a lot. Actually, for real, like, really thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Of course. Richard did save my ass because, of course, my new cheap ass mixer broke. <laughs> right before the first episode <laughs> um but uh but and everybody can will be linking to your social media we'll be linking to you know your show feature on radio nepal yeah. et cetera, et cetera. so people every other week yes. saturday 3 to 5 p.m i think the next one is on the 20th amazing yeah um so i'll come through before we step away from media you've also written a book Oh my god, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. I did. I wrote a book. Um I'm I'm Which just... holy crap. It's just it's so it like it's a mammoth undertaking. Like I've always kind of dreamt about writing a book. It's just like I just can't imagine doing it. This book was like um so this book the publishing company the book is called um She Represents and She Represents is a young adults book about it's like a bunch of biographies of different women political leaders from around the world um it's really cool it's illustrated by this artist named brianna arrington from philadelphia and her artwork is so beautiful it really is you guys it's fucking sickening yeah um it comes out through learner books in september so you'll be hearing a lot more about all that wait but what is the book about Right. Well, the book is about, um, yeah, it's a bunch, it's a, like I said, it's a collection of, yeah. (laughs) Secondhand smoke. (laughs) No, I mean, I heard you talk about the illustrations. I didn't hear you talk about what you. Yeah, no, it's cool because it's like, I think a lot of these, I mean, we really had to, when I was writing the book, I really was fighting against this like whole like girl power angle where it's like, (laughs) oh, a woman is cool. And like, look, you know what I mean? Like. You know what I mean? It's the same, like, instincts, like, oh, it's a woman police officer or, like, something like that, you know, like, gender equality, where sure. it's, like, 
for nothing. But really, um, we're starting to see like the reasons why we absolutely need women in office. Yes. Like during COVID, for example, we were talking about that earlier. Um, how like some governments are stumbling, some others are doing good. A lot of the governments that are doing good, and I hate to be a gender essentialist, but they're run by women. Yeah. Like New Zealand, Germany, Finland, uh-huh. uh, Taiwan, Taiwan, precisely, precisely. Um, compassion, yeah. belief in science. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is, I can't believe I have to say it, but it's really underappreciated science these days. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> so like, yeah, I just, WhatsApp is not science y'all. Yeah. So I just think it's really interesting in terms of the book. It's just really interesting to see how women are able to navigate. Yeah. We're still in the beginning days. I mean, God, especially in the United States, I was really was realizing as I was writing this book, how fucking far behind the United States is when it comes to women representation, representation in politics. Yeah. You know, um, we've got a ways to go, but to see, to read about these women who have been able to navigate these systems and arrive into power and see how like their gender did and did not play a role in these things. It usually does play a role. Um, is that book available for sale now, or where you can, can pre-order it? it. Ooh, where you can pre-order it? Um, you can pre-order it at the Learner Books website, which is Learner Books. It's L E R N E R Books dot com. Um, that's from the publisher. <laughs> Smash that pre-save button. Um, it'll be out in September, and um, yeah, and I'm just hoping it's gonna be like a good. Even if you're not a teenager, if you have a teenager in your life. I think they're going to like this book. But even if you're not a teenager, I'm really hoping that it provides us all with a good like mental reset when it comes to thinking about politics these days because there's so much horrific nonsense that's happening with um, many of our uh, political leaders. (laughs) And it's just good to remember that there are corners of positivity and one of them is increasing um, women representation in politics. Another person who is featured in the book is um, Minneapolis City Council member Andrea Jenkins, who also happens to be, who is one of the nine council members, of course, who, who approved this abolish the Minneapolis PD plan. Yeah. Um, but she's also the first trans woman of color to be elected to public office in the United States of America. Wow. So we start to see like why, I mean, representation gets a bad rap sometimes for being like, you know, just, just lip service or just like optics. Sure. But, but you start to realize like why this stuff really does matter. Absolutely. Um, let's make a musical transition here. Uh, let's, you know, again, we talked about women's, uh, we talked about weeds, uh, let's, you know, maybe dance a little bit, you know, like we talked about cats too. Uh, hell yeah. I love this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very on brand. Um, let's listen to some lucro. Uh, this is a uh, producer, DJ producer from Peru, I believe you said. Um, and the track is called Ven a Bailar, uh, which again, I, I think uh, like, the color of your hair is kind of a marijuana green right now. And this song, like, really, like, the, the cover art for this song is kind of like your the, your hair color. So I was like, mm, this is perfect here. Oh, man. I really love this song. I love this whole um, EP. It's called Descarga. And Lucro put it out through his own label that he has, which is called Matraca, out of Lima. Um, and yeah, Lucro, I haven't gotten a chance to write about him for some reason, but I've really been feeling his music over the last couple 
months. Um, I think he's been around for a minute, but the first time that I became like aware of him was on this compilation that came out around the beginning of the pandemic. When mm-hmm. was that? 800 years ago? Yeah. Um, <laughs> called La Cura, which has a lot of really amazing uh, South American producers on it, but uh, also features Lucro. And he just has this like really, I just would call it, a really sexy sound honestly it is this like kind of like echoey club vibe but he uses these very like warm retro sounds they're okay. just like ooh, i don't know it's again a you good summer it song. As sexy i just didn't oh you just uh, am i not speaking correctly or like or maybe i'm just weed hot like i thought english high. was my first language wait a second <laughs> or i'm a bad listener you know what? Let's, just, let's just go ahead and listen to the song the, the song is ven a bailar this is by lucro I'm going to go take some fresh air and we'll be right back.
All right, and the second song that we just heard there is by Desde el Barro. Uh, this is a uh, in a song called Nectar. Um, this is a producer, a part of the Yedra Collective. Um, are they Argentine or Uruguayan? Um, I believe Desde el Barro is Argentine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about them because I don't, I don't really know. Um, totally. Well, I feel like uh, what I like about Yedra, well, um, not. Yedra has like a lot of different sounds, really. Sure. But all of their artists are not afraid to follow their joy. And I think that what Desde Barro is doing here is like, it is a club album. Like, I mean, it's a Mexico City club album. Sure. They're, uh, they're uh, currently based out of Mexico City. Okay. And I feel like they're a very like... Um, a sensical part of the nightlife scene here like this kind of very like robotic echoey like 4am kind of um I don't know like esoteric deep kind of club music that goes off in Mexico City it was giving me K-hole vibes for sure well <laughs> I'm not gonna say that those don't exist in Mexico City <laughs> um but yeah and um I don't know what else to say about this is off his new EP Racimo mm -hmm. and, and which Richard just told me uh, means branch. Yeah. I did not know. Yeah. Um, but does Del Baro is just like a really sweet. I mean, it, that makes total sense because this is like the sweetest, most like down to earth. Yeah, I met him once at, at uh, this event for Feria Material, uh -huh. um, which is like a whole art event situation. And it was like he was bookended by. Uh, Mexican Jihad uh -huh. and uh, Rosa Pistola and somebody else played that night and I don't remember who. Um, El Muerto de Tijuana. Oh, was that the same night? Yes. Oh my God, that night was incredible. That was a crazy night. Um, yeah. Oh, and you became El, El, El Muerto's uh, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. So like Kat is in a committed relationship with El Muerto de Tijuana. So back off. It got very intimate, didn't it? Because <laughs> we were in the front row and he, he kept... gave us his beer. It's true. And like we just drank it. Thank you, Muerto. Shout out. It, I've been meaning to actually get him on the show for a while now. He's a fascinating character. Tell him I said hi. I will um um so we're wrapping up um i'm sure y'all on the other end they're thankful because this is a long episode uh, but it, they were conversations that needed to happen girl because like you know 2020 is flames and not in the good way and again we've all been by ourselves and so once we start talking it's hard well, to get us to shut up um i want to remind you all uh that i will be linking to everything uh that we've talked about today in the show notes uh certain organizations uh you know like where you can pre-order cat's uh book where you can listen to her show um can you remind our listeners about social media oh totally um i'm caitlin donahue on twitter and i'm birdwatch with a y instead of an i b-y-r-d on instagram and yeah and if you want to read some of my work i actually just put together a brand new beautiful website that features a beautiful photo of my own cat was just about to mention uh -huh. yes <laughs> is donahue d-o-n-o-h-u-e dot work so um i hope to see you guys around i'll be um definitely doing a bunch of events for she represents this fall if if the world opens up again, maybe I'll be in a town near you. If not, I'll be on a Zoom near you for sure. Absolutely. And once uh, tours or Zoom tours or whatever are announced, uh, we will be sharing them across 
uh, our socials. Um, uh, I want to boom, boom, boom. Uh, I want to remind you all that you can listen to Song Mess on your favorite streaming platforms. Uh, that's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, we recently um, also got added to Deezer. It came to my attention that uh, Deezer is one of the main platforms in El Salvador, and since we had 18 interviews uh, that we did in El Salvador, I it only made sense to expand into that. Um, so again, feel free to follow us wherever uh, you feel most comfortable. Uh, in terms of social media, everything at Songmess. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you'd like to message us directly, songmessmusic at gmail.com. Um, happy to listen to your uh, you know new releases, albums, whatever, whatever. People are really starting to get the message. I'm starting to get, you know, um, messages frequently. So thank you for reaching out. Um, I can't offer you coverage on everything but that's why we have the bops playlist um just about everything about 99 of all the music that i receive makes it in there um and obviously the bops playlist is always linked in the show notes um as well um if you want to support us uh financially we have a an online store songmess.threadless.com buy a t-shirt buy a tote bag buy a, a mug a, a little book you know we have all that available with our beautiful logo which was designed by the chilean designer uh, Osvaldo Uribe um, and well we are at the end of the show we have one more song um, and one more topic which is it's pride <laughs> because just when your plate wasn't full enough you know it was also pride we also had to find some way of celebrating whether it be thoughtfully or you know this is protest pride exactly which is cool it's like pray pride trademark is canceled but like OG Pride is back. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I hope that I feel like I feel like we're all about to really get I mean, we're all getting a huge gut check. Girl. Right now about what's really important. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So I think that even though I, I know in L.A., I think it's L.A. Pride this weekend and um, L.A. Pride, L.A. Pride had announced that they were doing a black like a a march like a in honor of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Tony McDade, um, Ahmaud Aubrey, all yeah. these people that have passed. Um, but people were a little bit uh, not sure about it because it wasn't a black. I mean, it wasn't they hadn't coordinated with the black lives matter chapter um etc yeah so it ends up like being a corporate protest which is strange but anyways it's a great time to return to to yes. what the roots of what pride is and like you, look you know pride is not a party you know pride is a is a feeling pride is a day of remembrance you know like girl like it seems that things are starting to open back up if shit opens back up in july don't just be like oh we missed pride the queers can throw a party. <laughs> when the shit is done, we'll have a proper party. <laughs> and you know some some wily organizers out there are gonna be like, oh, you know, Pride in October, woo, you know, and we'll we'll be okay. You know, this is a time to really think about like how, you know, if you don't like riots, well, guess what? Pride was a f started as a riot. The first Pride was a riot. True. You know, so, so true. you know, just uh, it's. I think it's important for us to um, again use this time. To really reflect on on intersectionality, it's just like Absolutely. you know, like if queers don't support Black Lives Matter, you know, what are you fucking doing? You know, mm -hmm. if like if they're not free, you're not free, and I'm not free, and nobody's free. So you know, true. like we're not free until everybody's free, and so 
you know, again, like I, 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 you know, I feel like we all have different relationships to pride. Some prefer the more protest aspect of it. Some like the vapid partying of it, me, you know, but that's okay. You know, like we, you know, we're, we're queer. We contain multitudes. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we have one more song. Uh, this is by Reinder uh, and Kevs. Uh, these are both young queer artists uh, from Chile. Um, this is just straight pop music. You know, this is saccharin. This is glitter. Uh, the song is called Unicornios. So fuck you if you're not about it. I don't give a fuck. I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs that have come out this year. It's just so overt, so unapologetically gay. Um, I wish I could twirl to this, you know, and it's okay that I can't. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, everything pertaining to my guest pertaining to all the different uh, organizations and things that I've met that we've mentioned will be linked in the show notes. Um, I want to thank my guest, Kat Donahue. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a, a true honor. And thank you for coming back. Woo. Absolutely. Um, my name is Richard Villegas. This is Song Mess. Stream cr- Chromatica. The song is uh, <laughs> Unicorns. This is by Rinder and Kevs. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Chromatica for Bye. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah.